Welcome to the Dragon Heart. It's I am Jay Long. I am joined by Mark Griffiths. It's almost Christmas time. The goose is getting fat, whatever that means. <laughs> how are you, Mark? Uh, not too bad, absolutely. It's not just the goose that's getting fat, I tell you. I'm making a pretty good stab at it as well. And I'm hoping for but, some yeah. Christmas so I could do even more better. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I, I started eating too many mince pies already. Probably should slow down. There's still a few days to go for Christmas. Well, you know, I mean, pace yourself. Marginal gains and all that. It's that, that one mince pie less that you eat on Wednesday. That means you can eat an extra turkey on Sunday. Exactly. I'm calling it bulking season, not getting fat. <laughs> We've got a very busy show today. We've got the Gloucester game to look back at, which has a lot of talking points, to be fair. I think a lot of people would like to hear about that game, as a lot of people didn't go. Implications of COVID and a few other things. So yeah, it should be a really interesting show. So this is Dragonheart. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Vose and uh, this is Dragonheart. Gloucester. Uh, a real spectacle and a really enjoyable game for uh, for everyone who went. It was um, actually, commentary-wise, one of the most games I've enjoyed this season, to be fair, because I've actually gone into the game relaxed, not really worried about the full-time result. And to be fair, the boys delivered. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? You know, the, I, I admittedly, the, the opposition wasn't anywhere near full strength, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. Uh, Gloucester, I thought, made a good fist of it, but yeah, ultimately... We, we did show a lot of the qualities that we have and you know, we continue to look so threatening down the wings, don't we, with those wing-backs? Oh, yeah. The, Cameron Green looked excellent um, on Saturday, I, I thought. He got himself in the right positions. I, I think, you know, he's not going to get that room. He's not going to get that time on the ball like he does in in a, in a National League game because he, he was wide open a lot of the times, wasn't he? Um, mm. And Bryce Hosanna was excellent down the other wing but lacked that little bit of end product which I think is has been the case with him a lot this season but I think once he irons out a lot of the issues that he has and starts producing end products as in going for goal or swinging in crosses he's going to be a real dangerous player Oh yeah I mean we talked about it last week didn't we saying about how that end product's the thing he's got to add to his game but he's still young and it's got to be said as well, he's been playing on the wrong flank all along, so switching over to his correct side, I know should feel very natural, but he hasn't played there for a while, so maybe needed to settle into that a little bit, but his pace was terrifying. It was brilliant seeing him getting the ball, especially in that first half, when he just like take a touch mm. and then just knock it and try and burst past purely on, on speed alone. I mean... So exciting to see a player a player for Wrexham who can do that. And the fact is, we've got him, Hall Johnson and Green, who can all do that. So it's, you know, it, it shows, I suppose, to some extent that, well, I mean, in contrast with other managers we've had in the past, naming no need names, Gary Mills, um, it's good <laughs> to have a picture in your head of the sort of football you want to play. I, admittedly, Green and Hall Johnson were inherited by Parkinson. But he's brought prices Anna in as well. And, and clearly, especially since Hall Johnson's come back to fitness, we've prioritised that pace down the flanks. And it's 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 become a, a sort of trademark of the way that we play. And if I don't think it's any coincidence when you look at the actual results that we've basically, since Hall Johnson came back in for that Harrogate Cup game, we've embarked on a fantastic run. Is it five wins and seven? Something like that? Yeah. So since we've yeah. really gone, you know, prioritising that pace down either both sides, we really have started to put those results and some convincing performances together. And I'd also like to say, you know, having Tyler French's right wing back also wasn't a terrible mm -hmm. option. He played really yeah. well. I just think maybe it's a circumstance of gelling with him as well. And maybe he's a better as a right-sided centre-back rather than a wing-back. Um, but yeah, it is no coincidence. But do you think um, Cameron Green could be pushing for that left wing back as a start? I'd like to think so, because I really would like to see him given the full, a fair crack at the whip. You know, I think he's, I mean, I've, I've consistently said, haven't I? I rate him as a player. He's a very good athlete as well. And I, 
yeah, I would like to see him given opportunities. Although having said that, Bryce Hosanna is doing very well over there. I think that maybe yeah. the key thing here is that they're both quite young, and that perhaps you know there'll there'll come a point where one of them needs a rest and the other one can come in and be very like for like. Because Green, although he's left footed, does like coming inside as well as Hosanna does onto his right foot. So they have similar movement as well as similar characteristics like pace. I think Hosanna's maybe a touch quicker, but then Green maybe is a touch more technical. So no, but but, but they're similar, aren't they? Like I said, unlike French and records, who are very different types of wing back or full back. And that, that, that's that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's good to have different types of players as well for different situations in a game or in a season. But it's sort of counting against them at the moment simply because we really are looking to use our wing-backs as, as fast outlets, aren't we? We play much more in a transition now. And French is, is, is a threat going forwards, but not in terms of surging down with extreme pace, more in terms of getting up the pitch early and, and winning diagonals and heading them into the box and getting involved that way. But he did very yeah, well. French is like that. a... French is like a wide target man sometimes, isn't he? Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite strange, isn't it? it but it, it works. It, it's quite effective. Mm. Um, but yeah, and also, yeah, having record and French as that different style, say we're getting pen, pen back and we need a bit of experience. We're, we're, we're saying 1-0 up and we need to hold a lead against Notts County or one of the better side. Maybe you do stick on record mm. for that little bit more experience defensively as well. The trouble for him is that he's not getting onto the bench, is he? Yeah. You know, yeah. say, for example, the French isn't starting. The French is an obvious choice for the bench simply because he's got that versatility. So you can use him centre back, yeah. you can use him wing back, full back. Um, whereas record is going to be left sided defender, well, maybe left sided yeah. in the three. But yeah, French's versatility means he's he's always there for those occasions. So that's the problem for record. But at the moment, he's third in the list, isn't he? Yeah, of course. We, we could yeah, in January look to bring in an experienced left wing back to augment the young lads we have, which would put them in a sticky situation. Yeah, it would, which is unfortunate for Jamie Racco because I think he has been quite solid when mm. he's played this season. I don't think he's done anything necessarily wrong. Mm. I just think Bryce Hosanna and Cameron Green are just better for how we play. I think if we played the back four, maybe Jamie Record would be better mm. as a left back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a change in style of play, change in emphasis, isn't it? Which is uh, is going against him rather than I think anything particular that he's done. But that is it is working. So at the moment, yeah, he's not he's he's find, facing a bit of a scrap to get back in, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But you never know. He, he anyone can stake their claim of a couple of yeah. good games on the bounce, couldn't they? So okay. it's nice to have. I think competition's great. Well, Green looked gone, didn't he? I mean, Green yeah. was a bad bone. He got on the pitch for about five minutes before that Harrogate game. But he's now worked his way back in, uh, which is great. Well, like I said, I, I, I really like him. And Exactly. And, and there's one thing I want to say right now, and we are five, six, seven minutes into our conversation. We're talking about the Gloucester game, and we haven't even talked about Jordan Davis yet. <laughs> yeah. What a god. Oh, he was magnificent, wasn't he? Wow, that, that first goal was <laughs> just outrageous. And then the one he tried... The one on the outside the foot. Oh, oh, that was the second goal, that wasn't it? That was the second goal, yeah. yeah. The second goal, yeah, the first yeah. goal was like that volley, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that was a tough technique, and he could have scored a lot more. He could have scored four or five. He just looked yeah. that touch above everyone else on the pitch that day, didn't he? He was really bossing the game, wasn't he? He was just getting the ball... Just driving forwards, making things happen. It was it was just fabulous to watch. Um, possibly the best individual performance by a Wrexham player this season. He certainly was. Yeah, and I, I think you have to remember that we were playing a a weak side. And, yeah. and I'd like to say this now. I'd like to say Gloucester for the first twenty minutes really give us a good game. I actually don't think for the first twenty five minutes they were the worst side. I've seen at the race course this season. They, 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 I think Weymouth played worse football then. They were trying to play football from the back. They were a young side. They were a young side anyway in their first team without COVID. They're a very young and experienced side. They had a keeper who have not played with the defence, and you could see that. That was quite evident. Uh, it was quite evidently clear. So, yeah, all credit to Gloucester. They really give us a competitive game in parts. 
I, I, I can have nothing but praise for Gloucester. I, I thought it was absolutely superb. I mean, the, the fact that they played the game, because they could have called her off. I know they didn't want to fix your backlog, and they, I know, as they rightly said, it could get even worse for them. But, oh, yeah, I, I thought their attitude was was fantastic. Like you said, they, they looked to play. They had a very clear strategy uh, of with a diamond in midfield and really congesting the middle of the pitch and making it difficult for us to play our way through it. And for the first 20 minutes, it worked extremely well, didn't it? They didn't have any real threat, but they, you know, they, they really restricted us going forwards. But I was pleased then to see that, well, I mean, my concern in home games this season has been that when teams have sort of worked us out, we've struggled to adapt to that and find a new way to trouble them. But here we did. We, we were patient. We moved the ball around and we just waited patiently for that switch to come on so we could work the flanks. And as once we really started to make that happen, it was game over, wasn't it? Because we, we overwhelmed them. But they, yeah. hats off to them. They're young players. I hope they had a great experience uh, and their fans. There's a lot of people to come across that distance in these circumstances, knowing that it's going to be a, a very weakened team. And they kept going to the end. I, I, yeah. I, just, I got a huge amount of respect for Gloucester after that. So. Yeah, it, it wasn't just the let's stick a target man on, hoof it up and hope hope and hit. They, they actually really tried to play football. So, yeah. yeah, credit to them and good luck to them for the rest of the season. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was a it was a really fascinating game. There's a lot of talking points considering it was just an FA Trophy game because yeah. we have Kwame Thomas who come on, who, who started and played 70 minutes and he looked like his old self at times. You know, he's lost that little yard of pace. At the moment, he's, you can tell he's not fully fit, but uh, he's going to be a real asset to us this season if we can get him firing again. I think that the, the phrase he just used is absolutely perfect. He, he looked back to his old self at times, yeah, and and that feels to me much more than you I would have expected at this point in his recovery. You yeah. know, to get on the pitch, to get seventy minutes out of him, and to see a lot of a lot of the old Kwame is really exciting. I oh, I mean. When he came off, I mean, I was right to bring him off. I think trying to push him for another 20 minutes would have been really stupid. Um, but he, he didn't look all that tired. <laughs> I didn't think he looked all that leggy. He was still chasing everything. And, and that's a real Kwame characteristic, isn't it? He'll chase the ball to the corner flag in the last minute. Um, and I just thought it was wonderful to see. I mean, like I say, if we can get him fully firing, the sooner the better because his mobility... His, his aggression, his power in the air, the fact he attacks a six-yard box makes him look like a nice fit for Paul Mullen, doesn't it? You know, he'll oh. win headers for him. He'll attack the six-yard box when Mullen drops off. And just imagine, you know, corners and free kicks and the corners and bentos are throw-ins, Aaron Hayden and Markin, the defenders Markin, Aaron Hayden and Kwame Thomas. Yeah. That's going to be a handful, isn't it, for any defence and what, what I like about him is he, he brings something that none of the other strikers have. He's, he is a real threat in the air. He wins most headers, doesn't he? He's an absolute unit. He's really good on the ball. And I think he's a really, a really intelligent footballer, isn't he? Because he mm. seems to be in the right place at the right time. He's always in the six-yard box. He scores a lot of tap-ins, which I think is excellent, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That ball he played down the wing, was it in the second half for Green? Uh, when the ball came at an awkward height and he, he stretched to bring it under control and then he knew if he let it come down that the chance was gone or Green would have run offside and so he volleyed it on the way back down, down the line, perfect weight on it. You think, that's a bit of class, that. a real bit of quality. Um, I, I, it's it's great to see him back and like you say, he's a, he's a monster in the air, isn't he? I mean, Hyde is good in the air, to be fair to him, but um, Thomas is the sort of centre-forward who really frightened centre-backs. I mean, last season... There were a lot of centre backs who just got absolutely battered by Thomas, didn't they? And it wasn't what would you say? Probably on an average game, you'd expect centre backs to be winning about seventy percent of those five v nine sort of header challenges. But Kwame, yeah. you know, the few games last season where he was clearly winning more than fifty percent of the long balls, he could really bully a centre back, and that's exciting. And you called it in the commentary as well, didn't you? The moon had our first long throw. He said. He said, this on Kwame's head, and bang, there it went. So <laughs> you're dead right. It, it, it's, it's, a throw ins in Kwame Thomas is going to be something that's going to be, say, we're 1 0 down, and it's the last couple of minutes, you stick him on, 
him and Aaron Hayden, they're going to be absolute nightmares to mark, both of them, because they don't they don't really lose much in the air, them two. So, and Lennon. yeah, very exciting. And Lennon, yeah, yeah. He gets you know, to the end of a it, lot of stuff, doesn't he? It's, it's not always size, it's it's your, your timing. Just Jordan it? Davis scores scores yeah. head a lot of headers yeah. as well. So it, it's 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 gonna be like having a brand new sign in, isn't it? Because I I really believe that he has a lot of quality. And, and another player that has a lot of quality that I was just so impressed with was Clareworth, who was yeah. in that holding midfield position. He it allows young and Davis to do their thing, and he just sweeps up the mess. And I think mm. For his age, he shows so much maturity, and he had a brilliant goal too to cap it off. Yeah, I was so sort of starstruck by Jordan Davis's outside the foot goal that um, I don't think I gave Max Clement's goal quite the quite the sort of respect it deserved. I mean, look at it again. Oh my gosh, he got all of that. But he's he's a good player, isn't he? He's, he's got terrific promise. Yeah, he hasn't. Like, I can't see why he can't play more of that holding midfield role because it seems to work really well. It'd be interesting to see against, you know, higher quality opposition. Yeah. But he he is a real, real promise, isn't he? Yeah, he played there in the trophy against Leamington last season, and we yeah. made him man of the match. Um, so he's like you said, shown that against weaker opposition, he definitely can play there. He's. Uh, I hope he doesn't end up being one of those utility players who, because he's actually good in a number of positions we and because we're probably looking to buy players in as and, and go up divisions that he doesn't get sort of pigeonholed as a useful utility backup player because I think he's come on quite a lot as a centre-back and I think he's, he's much more well I can't remember if I said this last week or not but when they brought on that big target man Weymouth brought on the, the big lad uh, at the end, and he caused some problems. Where Clareth dealt him really well in the air, and I thought mm. that's good. I think maybe a year ago he might have physically found that a bit harder. But you know, I, I, I am, I'm really delighted to see his development. I hope his development doesn't mean he gets to be a sort of bloke on the bench because he can fill a few places if someone gets hurt, because he's he's putting in performances of enough quality to earn a bit of a chance to get on the pitch and develop. It, you- would you give him a shout on starting Boxing Day? Um, see, again, I'm saying I hope it doesn't happen, but would I do it? No, probably not. I think I'd, I'd go back to the Young Davis Jones trio, I think. That's a great name for a band. Um, no, hang on, not great. What's, what's that word? Awful, awful name for a band. Um, <laughs> but um, oh, I just, I don't know. I, I, no, I think I'd stick with the three experienced players, not least because we've been playing well lately with that trio. But yeah. but he's he's put his hat into the ring, and I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I I think we go with the more experienced players, and I think a manager would because if it went all wrong, the manager would get the blame. Oh, why are you chucking a young lad in for such an important league game? And it's a lot of pressure, but see, he seems to be soaking up the pressure. He's played the, not- the yeah. Notts County home game, which was a big game. He, mm. I think, why not give him a chance? He played well against Solly Hull on the first day of the season as well, which was a very yeah. pressured environment because they really came at us, didn't they? Especially in the, in the, yeah. bottom, in the first half. Um, and he played well at Ibrox two seasons ago, so he's not, he's not easily intimidated. I've, I've, I've never seen him have an absolute stinker. Anyway, he's a he's a seems like a, a reliable, a safe pair of hands. Uh, no, but, but it is. I, I agree. Yeah, I think you're right. A manager would go for the experienced option. Uh, I think I would as well, probably at the moment. But the good thing that I quite like about the whole situation is that if these so-called more experienced players don't play to their to their, to their maximum potential and don't have good games, their, their, their place is not yeah. c- cemented in, is it? Max Clareworth can come in and take their place, and if he's playing well, why not play him all the time? So, it, 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 again, yes, we need more midfielders, we need that couple more midfield signs, but having these options of different style midfielders for different games is excellent. And also, another thing I'd like to talk about is... Um, Kai Evans come on, didn't he? Yeah. And Jacob Bickerstaff, so two two more promising young talents. And Bickerstaff did really well, didn't he, with that run down the left-hand side to, to open things up for 
Jones's goal. Uh, yeah, he he. Uh, it was good to see him back as well. Like Cloudworth, he's developed well, but he's like, he's still got a lot of people to fight past in the queue, you know, to play up front. And then Kai Evans, he was very sparky, didn't he? I enjoyed him. He was quick. Yeah. So, so it, again, and then we're, we're we're off to the next round of the FA Trophy now. Um, who have we got in the next round? I've completely forgot. Folkestone and Victor. Which be the We've second got time. and Victor. Yeah, second so time I've seen them play. I've so my lad and I went to see them about ten years ago at Chester in the Trophy. We were supporting Folkestone. This time I won. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's we're in the we're in the next round. I think again we play another experimental squad against a team like that, mm. and you know if we get knocked out, we get knocked out. But if we get through. There is a potential tie at Wembley on the card, so yeah, and there's nothing like a cup run to keep the morale going. Mm. So yeah, a positive day, and let's have more. Let's hopefully this starts another big run. Absolutely, I mean, there's still some national. Some of the National League Premier teams are out now. Chesterfield have pulled out, uh, so a couple of names are gone. Yeah, it's start the field starting to thin out, and we've yeah, seen so it, it, a pattern for. Um, smaller teams to get to Wembley, which perhaps you know says that if teams aren't taking it seriously, maybe we can get a fair distance through while using our squad players. And I hope I would assume that by the end of January, our squad players will have a real depth about them because if we bring in three or four high quality players, there'll be three or four players that we now see as first choice who will be rotation players. So we should have enough depth to cope with that, really. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, apologies for the unscheduled interruption, but I'm afraid I need to jump in here just for a second because you had a bit of an unfortunate change of circumstances this week while recording the show. We had a guest lined up who I was very excited about, actually. He was going to be talking about the effect of COVID on lower division football, and sadly, he was unable to do the interview because he actually got COVID himself and he wasn't well enough at all. So that will come up in a week or two. But in the meantime, we had to sort of reorganise our planned schedule for the coming weeks. Uh, because of that, we are going to bring in a different interview instead. But also, I might as well bring us up to date what has happened since we recorded this, because since we recorded the show, the Solihull Moors game has actually been called off. So although we're going to continue with some talk about COVID and about the situation we're in at the moment, you might hear the odd reference. I've tried to get rid of them, but you might hear the odd reference to the Solihull match as if it's going ahead because this was recorded beforehand. It might be, I suppose, a bit of a blessing that the game was being called off. It's, of course, being called off because... A number of Wrexham players have got COVID, a greater number obviously than last Saturday because our squad was somewhat denuded for the Gloucester City game. However, well, firstly, our, our concerns and best wishes go to all those players and their families. We just want them to stay safe and look after themselves. Um, however, it has to be said that from purely a selfish football point of view, maybe it's not the worst thing for Wrexham to play this game later on. Hopefully, by the time we rearrange this game, we'll be allowed to have fans back in the stadium because there are tentative signs that maybe the Omicron wave is not going to be quite as drastic as people thought. What did the scientists say this morning? Not a hurricane, more of a, a strong storm. So th that's promising. So hopefully we'll have fans back in fairly soon. So maybe we will be able to have that sellout crowd again, Solly Hull, after all. Also, obviously, I mean, apart from the, the players who are ill, there are players coming back from injury. Kwame Thomas well, would probably benefit from having more minutes in his legs, to be fair, but by the same token, probably won't suffer having a Saturday off. And maybe more appositely, um, Paul Mullen, who, of course, is so important to Wrexham's plans, such a talented striker, but he has been struggling with an injury the last few weeks. Now he's had a proper long layoff. He didn't play against Gloucester. He won't play against Solly Hull. And so hopefully that will help him. The 
game on Tuesday at Altrincham, as things stand at the time of recording this, is still on. As is the game at Notts County on Saturday. But there is a suspicion, of course, that the English government might bring in stricter regulations following Christmas Day. So we need to be careful with that. And, of course, Wrexham may have to call off the Altrincham game again because they have a lot of players absent. Remember, we had some absent you know, for the Gloucester City match. So there could be some overlap here. There could be some players who were part of the way through their 10-day isolation then and would therefore be available for Altrincham, but not for Solly Hull, if you see what I mean. But then other new cases um, would overlap and mean that none of them were available for Solly Hull. I mean, if you think about it, the Gloucester game is 10 days before the... Altrincham match so if the, if a player was out through that you know the day before he, but is feeling fit they should theoretically be able to play in the Altrincham game and, and the theoreticals become important of course because it's not necessarily who's fit and ready to play it's it's what we can say to the National League in terms of how many bodies are absent and once that isolation period ends the National League are liable to say well that's an available player for you then so it'll be interesting to see if we do play on the Tuesday I think if you if you're hoping to go, keep your eyes peeled, look at the club channels and just keep an eye on whether it actually happens or not. Anyway, on with the show. I'm delighted to say that we've got a chat now with a big Wrexham fan, Tim Lewis, who's been supporting Wrexham for a long time and is a, is a real diehard at the race course. We actually lined up the interview with him for a different reason and the main reason which is looking at things like football manager, fantasy football, FIFA. That will come in a, a future episode. But for now, have a listen to Tim's feelings about not being able to fulfil his regular ritual of going to the race course because of COVID. I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragon Heart. How sad, and for you as a regular at the race course, that certainly the Boxing Day game will have no fans in it. And as we speak, there's no confirmation of if we'll be allowed to stream. So Wrexham Football Club want to stream, no question. And we've got it all in place, but the <clears throat> National League will have to say OK. Um, so that's the situation as we speak. Just, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to for a second say it's not the right decision because public health comes first. But it's 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 a tough one to take for fans who've been just loving the atmosphere and a terrific crowd this season, isn't it? Yeah, it's heartbreaking, like genuinely heartbreaking. For people who love going to watch their football team, it's it's a lot more of a I, I saw Mark Drakeford tweeted, We're asking you a little more. It's not a little more, because we love going to watch Wrexham. It's it's like the highlight of my week. Mm. Anyway, I love it. And it's it's very very difficult to think that there's the the worst thing about it is I I believe in Scotland Nicola Sturgeon said it's three weeks she's put it like a three week cap on it or something whether that will go on yeah. beyond that I, but Mark Drake has just sort of said there's no time limit on this yeah. as far as I'm aware at the moment yeah. and that's very difficult for people to deal with because we love going there we love watching our team you know I don't go to I've, I've only been to a few away games in all the time but I go to the home games every time I can get to a home game and it's I love it to bits I go with my brother and we have a great time but yeah. if I'm here and having to watch the stream a lot of the time I'm on my own so it's yeah. it's it's um, you know, I, I said to you before we started filming this, there, there was a there's a Simpsons episode that sums up my feelings towards it, and it's the one where Homer eats the fugu fish at the Japanese restaurant, and he's got 24 hours before his heart explodes. So I went through the stages of grief with it. So <laughs> I went through denial, then I went to anger, then I went to fear, then I tried bargaining, and now I'm acceptance because yeah. they're not doing it to annoy us and they're not doing it because they they feel like doing it they're doing it because they have to do it mm. to get the cases down to protect people in the nhs to protect people from going into hospital and i know it's very very difficult for us to to understand that and be okay with that because it 
they're ruining our Christmas and they're ruining our ability to go and see our football team that we love. And at the end of the day, we just have to sort of grit our teeth and get through the next few weeks and hopefully we'll be back in there again. And hopefully by the summer, we don't ever have to worry about COVID again because it'll get mild and it'll go away. We've been through this a long time now. And it's, um, it's very difficult for everybody, no matter how much money they've got or whatever, not being able to go and see a football team and having to watch streams where there's no crowd noise is horrible, like genuinely horrible. I think yeah. you speak for the football fan in saying that. I, 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 that's beautifully put. Absolutely. Um, it's... I mean, my, my optimism is, yeah, you're right, Drakeford's not set a, a time limit, his language felt like he was hoping it would be a short-term thing. And also we've shown at the start of this season that we can come back from a shutdown situation to host matches safely. And yeah. therefore, hopefully that means that, you know, if we have a bit of a, a shutdown now, that we can at least, that they can look at what we've achieved at the start of last season and see that we can restart sooner, not have a, a season wiped out again uh, because it's absolutely essential that that the game can continue, that fans can't get back in, and and you're dead right. I mean, there's good reasons to lockdown. Absolutely, I don't I don't argue against the decision. It's just it's just so sad that it has to be done. But hopefully, we can we've shown we can get back, get fans back in grounds much more quickly than we did. Yeah, my my concern with it is that I think that if the people who were making the decisions understood what a match day experience is actually like. I, don't, I can't speak for, for Swansea and Cardiff, who are the other the big, the big teams in Wales. Mm. But I go with my brother. We sit in, in a row with other people, obviously. Yeah. But the, it's all outdoors, and the only people we really speak to are the, are the family that sits in front of us every now and again. I've never once felt unsafe or in an indoor area where... Lots of people are, are breathing and drinking and what. I know the centenary is open and whatnot, and I see there's lots of people in there. But if it was me making the decision, I would be encouraging people to go out into the stadium, maybe close the bars and close the centenary or whatever you have to do with that to stop people mixing indoors. But if you if you stop them going to the game outside, all those 8,000 people, how many of those 8,000 people are going to watch it in their living rooms with other people? So you turn in that big outdoor event into indoor clusters. I don't understand that. And I think the decision's been made by people who don't know enough about going to a football match to understand that it isn't this massively dangerous thing. And I would imagine most of the transmission would happen in the bars afterwards mm. or before rather than at the actual game. That's the bit I don't understand. But Yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's so many different areas and complexities to this and, and each ground's going to be different. Each set of fans are going to be different as well, isn't it? It's, uh, you yeah. know, it's, it's sort of blanket response is always going to be something that goes down badly with, with some, if not all, I suppose, isn't it? It's... Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a real shame. I just hope that fans are able to get back in the way scores soon. And I hope yeah. that you're right at the front of them. Uh, <laughs> giving, giving them a cheer. Uh, ro- roaring on your latest fa- uh, football manager heroes. Thank you. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Taylor. It's really a pleasure to, to catch up with you. Thank you for inspiring our Premier League in the fan- uh, Fantasy League. I keep saying Premier League rather than fan- I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, thank you for inspiring that. And uh, if you have any more bright ideas, you'd better let us know what they are. From the heart of your community, this is Calon FM. Game under closed doors. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I, to be fair, I don't think there's any alternative. Uh, we have to consider what's what's best in the interests of public health, public safety. And this Omicron wave looks terrifying in the numbers it's already churning out. So, yeah, it's a, it's a damn shame for us in terms of we'd, it was going to be pretty much a sellout. So that's a real yeah. pity. But, you know, we, we have to remember our priorities and 
getting as many people safely through this wave is uh, and allowing the NHS to not be overwhelmed is, is what's crucial. So Wales has done it. Scotland's brought in a limit of 500 fans for outdoor events. And one would assume that once the political necessity of delivering Christmas has been carried out in England, they'll do something similar. So it's a, it's a pity, but it has to be done. As I, I think the club statements put it very well, you know, it's a shame, but it's the right decision. It, it was always going to be a threat, wasn't it, this season? It, I think a lot of fans, in many ways, I, it's hard to disagree with them at the fact that they can go watch a Premier League game crammed in a pub, but can't go watch the, the game in the ground. You can, you, you know, you can see why a lot of people are getting frustrated by it, and it'd probably be better, be better off in some ways just to shut down completely rather than it being confusing. But you know, it's it's I'm not getting political, but I, you know, I can see why people, a lot of fans, are very frustrated. Well, yeah, I mean, I I totally get that emotional reaction to it. Um, you can go and watch the game, like you said, in a crowded pub or in the garden of Downing Street, but you can't get together at a grounds to watch it. Got away with that one, did I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I, it is the right decision. It's how things have been handled politically, which is, is wrong. And the, the mixed messages the politicians have given us and the inconsistent rules that, that we are faced with are, yeah, they are what, what is really um, difficult to comprehend, but the bottom line is this is still a public health emergency. We still have a global pandemic. These sorts of measures are clearly necessary to try and control it and to save lives. So, you know, football really isn't terribly important compared to those priorities, is it? Oh, yeah, and uh, I have to agree there. It's it's just one of them. We all knew it was probably it was going to be a risk this season at some point you'd have to be mm. pretty naive to think that it wasn't going to affect our season at any point um yeah it's just i, f- I feel like a lot of fans i can feel a lot of fans with frustration and it just is what it is we're just gonna to have to get on with it and this could be played behind closed doors which i think is a crying shame for the momentum of the players too mm. well absolutely the, the, the amount of backing they would get uh, with the crowd we were going to have would have been terrific, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I suppose if I look at it sort of cold-heartedly, when it's rearranged, you'd hope we're going to get a crowd fairly similar to that. And then we'll have the situation of... Oh, when I'm saying rearranged, it's not going to be rearranged. Like, ignore me, right? So that 9,000 is gone. But we, I think the Welsh Government has this time acted early rather than late and has put up a £300 million grant for compensating sports events. So we should be able to recoup our losses, at least from that. Uh, the, the Premier League money is, has come down to the National League teams as well. Uh, I, I now, as, um, as you may have guessed from our earlier conversation, I, I'm not convinced that, that the National League will necessarily distribute it intelligently or fairly. They've already said it's going to be 50% to our league and 50% spread across the other two leagues. It's a nice arbitrary decision, isn't it? You know, and let's not look at individual club circumstances. Let's just split it up. Let's just split it up into equal chunks, hand it to everybody, and then, oh, some people win and some people lose. What a, what a wonderful way to run a sporting organisation. But, uh, you know, not that I'm suggesting that they run them out the back of a news agent or anything. You know, not, they're, they're big time, they're big time. But, you know, I mean, but there is going to be money coming in. Financially, we don't have to worry too much, of course, luckily, because we're in our current situation. Uh, but but the owners do want us to be able to run ourselves at a profit. And so, therefore, it's good that we will get that, that funding coming in. I'm, I'm slightly worried about another element of the COVID situation that could hit us which is the transfer window. Because it seems that certainly the pattern at the higher end of the game is clubs are not willing to be loaning players out because they want to stockpile their squad against people, you know, players uh, having problems. So, for example, there was a suggestion that Joe Gomez of Liverpool was going to get loaned out because he's coming back from injuries 
and Liverpool at the moment are like last season they've got centre backs to cover, uh, but they're not going to do that now because you don't you know Van Dijk's got COVID at the moment. You know, you, if if you have three or four players out from COVID, you suddenly need three or four extra players in your squad. So it sounds like January's window is going to be pretty quiet. And it sounds like a lot of the loans that they would make of fringe players down to say the championship's not going to happen much. And that's got to have a trickle-down effect on us. And we are actually setting out to try and spend money in January. Um, I suppose in a way it doesn't matter because Cambridge didn't want to release Mullen. You know, Cheltenham didn't want to release Tozer. But we got the money to say, well, but we are meeting your demands and we'll meet the players' demands. So maybe in some ways that doesn't matter, but I'm... I'm slightly scared of a stagnant transfer window hitting us because when we're the only team restricted by a transfer window, if you see what I mean. But there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be struggling if in England there is a shutdown of no fans. There's going to be a lot of teams yeah. who could potentially be struggling and what will want a quick cash grab. So That's we may true. be able to buy some of League One and Two's finest players, hopefully. Um, or even the National League oh yeah why you can stop there yeah but yeah I think yeah when it comes to Covid if that's the most of our worries as Wrexham Football Club then it's not really important is it really if we don't sign the players we want to sign there's a lot more impressive things going on in this world at the moment you're 100% right absolutely I'm just you know a bit concerned as well that okay, theoretically, at the moment, as it stands, all those wage fans going to Altrincham and Oss County will be going there. But I have a funny feeling those games might be under threat by the time that the the wave has hit. Certainly, you know, with, with so few actions being taken around the UK, as the reluctance to have a lockdown affecting Christmas, uh, I think, I think. Yeah, we might be rearranging those matches, maybe. I don't know. Or playing a behind closed doors. So, yeah. well, we'll see. I don't, I don't know inside knowledge, but it, you know, it just feels illogical to me that things get quickly better after Boxing Day, you know? And let's hope the fans somehow, some way, get to watch the games as well, yeah. even if it is behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, because the fans shouldn't be missing out, really, because it's not, it's not the fans' fault. And, yeah, and I think you've got to feel sorry, not just for COVID people who are going, you know, Christmas is a very, very tough time of year for many fans, um, mental health, people have lost loved ones due to the pandemic, due to, you know, natural natural deaths. Um, so, yeah, we, we'd like to keep them in our thoughts because, you know, 90 minutes Boxing Day football after tough Christmases usually is a great way to escape. Yeah. everyday life around this period well you're so right and, and that's why maybe this would be a good point to remind everyone of Dragon Chat on Thursday nights yeah. uh, which offers the sort of mental health support expert support I should say that that can really help people through this tricky period and you know it, it, it'd be you know if, if you're struggling there are many options and, and that's definitely one of them, but there's, you're, you're never alone. You're never alone. There's always somewhere you can turn. And as you rightly say, that sort of thing under the pandemic in general just puts football into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it, it does show how football is a really important part of people's lives and how it does keep people going through tough times. And, you know, as I'd like to echo that, if, if anyone's struggling, listen to this, reach out to someone, you're not you're not alone because Christmas is a very tough tough time. It's not the happy sparkly time. It, it, you know, for a lot of people, it's happy sparkly, fun, amazing. For others, it is real haunting and scary and lonely. So, yeah, drag and chat, or just talk to a friend if you're struggling. That's what I have to say on that. It's um, well. <laughs> I've seen a few different people attributed to it the, to this quote. Ancelotti and Saki and different people, but this uh, phrase that football is the the most important of the unimportant things. It's quite a nice yeah. phrase to remember in this situation. Life's more important. Football's very important, but only of the unimportant things. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the way a lot of politicians look at it, it's just, or a lot of people look at it, it's just 11 blokes kicking a football on a field. Why do people get so emotional? It, it's it's not 
just about that. It's about seeing, having a pint with your mates before going to the game. It's about talking to people about football, about the sense of community, about being part of something, about feeling like you're not alone. You're all supporting your team. You're together. And I think it's a lot for people's mental health to be a part of something. Seeing the same faces that sit by you, having that little chat, you know, that little chat that you talk to someone while you're having your tea or coffee before the game may really help them you know and if you, t- you take that away from them it's it, it's 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 really terrible and, it, and you know i do agree you know public health is really important but mental health is important too it's just it's just such a hard decision for this government really when you think about it so yeah there's a lot of things to keep in mind this boxing day game it's very sad and you know from a selfish point of view i'm gutted i'm not going to be able to do my usual festivities but sometimes the greater good well, most of the time, it's 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 the greater good, isn't it? So, yeah, exactly right, exactly. So, um, yeah, those those little rituals that we have a football matches, the same people that we see every week at the same point at the same time. Yeah, they're, they're, it's part of what's special, isn't it? You know, it's like away days in football, isn't it? Where the match is almost secondary to the day. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. But we, you know, we, we have to make this sacrifice. But in order to hopefully get back to normality a lot quicker, and certainly that was the tone in the Welsh government's statement, was that they're hopeful that by by acting now we can get back to normal fairly quickly. Yeah, and uh, let's hope, let's hope so, because I think it seems a bit more crushing this season because we've had the fans in, and there's yeah. such a good feel good yeah. factor. In, you know, the, the the atmosphere has been electrifying at the race course which we haven't seen for many many years yeah. and that anticipation's been brilliant it's going to be so sad to see no fans in the stadium for the for the the game on Boxer Day which would have been electrifying but I keep on saying it is what it is and yeah and there's another great thing which I think is going to be quite poignant and iconic in the future is the fact that we're going to be playing in our away kit at home with no fans, it, it, that is going to be really iconic, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's uh, supporting shelters initiative, isn't it, for um, raising awareness about people. I mean, about homelessness. Goodness me! I mean, homelessness is is, is such a, a tragic situation anyway. But during a pandemic, it's very hard to to conjure with um, what people are going through on the streets. And so the idea that you wear your away shirt to show like there is no home is a, is a it's a lovely idea. Wrexham are adopting it, um, as are many other clubs, not just in our league and the football league, but uh, we're looking at some of the names, aren't we? And teams in the, the Welsh league and, and uh, the lower levels of that as well are doing it. And I think it's admirable just to, again, make the message that football is inclusive. I, I, um, I, I just... I mean, it's so cold. I mean, the, two of the last three home games were so cold, but you're surrounded by people, which keeps you artificially warm. What it must have been like on those nights to be out on the, uh, you know, sleeping on hard surfaces like concrete. Oh, my goodness, I can't, I can't imagine. So I'm glad we're doing that. And like I said, it is iconic, isn't it? That wearing the away shirt and, and a particularly notable away shirt as well at home. And also, well, look, this is a stupid thing to say, so I apologise in advance. But in terms of the the optics, shall we say, of how, how it's going to look, making that statement in front of the empty seats maybe will be quite lead to some quite powerful pictures. Yeah, it is. It really is. And I, it, it's, it's going to look quite cool. I think playing in the away kit uh, at home anyway would have been quite a cool thing anyway. And I wonder if it's ever happened in the past. Um, I should probably should have asked you this pre-pod. <laughs> um, I mean, it does happen, doesn't it, sometimes? In the Premier League, teams yeah. sometimes choose to, don't they, or where they're, like, end of the season or something, just to try and flog it. Uh, or if know, the referee can, can't see between the two colours, <laughs> uh, sometimes, I remember years, do you remember the year, the Boston, the Boston game season, I forgot the year, they yeah. Torquay and Boston played each other. And Boston had to wear Torquay's away kit because the referee for yeah. the home and the away kit clashed. That was that, that's that's that might have happened. I was just wondering if it did ever has ever happened in the past. But I do apologise. I probably should have asked you. 
I've got a weird, oh gosh, I've got a weird half recollection that maybe in one of our European games we wore an away shirt at home for some reason, but I'm not, it's not coming to me exactly, you know, the exact yeah. game, so I may be mixed up. But yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens as well because kit men bring the wrong kit. And so people end up wearing the opposing shirts. The oh, I remember there's something odd. We played Peterborough at home, but it wasn't us who changed. And I can't remember if they wore our away shirts, or I think it was their goalkeeper. I think their goalie shirts clashed with all the shirts that we could, that could be used. And so we gave him a Wrexham shirt, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm sure there's something. <laughs> there's definitely. Definitely got to be something. We are we're, we're a very old club, so it's probably happened yeah. way in the past anyway. So we yeah, it, Boston, it, of course. The ironic thing is, Chris Llewellyn losing his shirts during that match, didn't he? Yes, he did. And funnily enough, my friend was the one that caught his shit match shirt and yeah. give him his shirt. So he was wearing a child's shirt <laughs> from the last the season before. Yeah. Um, when he did that assist for Michael Proctor's last goal as well, which was absolutely hilarious, isn't it? Well, you talk about marginal gains. There you are. Wearing a different, wearing a child's shirt <laughs> somehow improves it. Streamlining, I suppose, isn't it? You know, it, it, it getting is. the wind tunnel in a kid's shirt, and yeah, he's like a rocket. But let's talk about Boxing Day as a fixture in general. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be an exciting game. We're neck to neck in the table, aren't we? Um, it was a close game last time we played him. Mm-hmm. This is a real six-pointer, isn't it? Well, they got Joe Sparrow, of course, who's one of the better players in yeah. our division. Scored twice, two yeah. fantastic goals against us. Um, and, and they'll be a test. They've always had the reputation as being a rugged team, but they're more of a footballing team now. And, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how we shape up against them because we're, we're starting to improve at home, but it's still not quite there. So it'll be interesting to see how we can actually deal with a side that are strong like that. Yeah, it's 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 going to be real impressive. They have you know players like Kyle Storer as well, who's really yeah. good, don't they? That you know that they're a real quality outfit. So I'm really looking forward to watching the game, and hopefully all the fans get to watch the game some way, you know, through a stream or something. We don't know anything about that yet. So yeah, so it, it's. A game that I was really, really looking forward to watching in the stands, but it is what it is. I mean, I think it'll be an interesting test for us. It's an interesting test with a theory that people are putting out, which I've got to say I think is nonsense, uh, that somehow our players are intimidated by having big crowds all the time. I, I don't buy that at all. For me, um, you know, professional footballers wouldn't have played for the big crowds. But, well, we're playing for the nobody. Let's see if it makes a difference. If we pass them 12 nil, I might have to, maybe I'll have to step back and suggest there was something to uh, our fear of crowds. Do you not think there is anything in it at all then? You know, football players do want to play in front of big crowds, but, you know, there is a lot more pressure, isn't there? Oh, I... Contrasting I, I, right, our away form to our home form. I'm a little wary of... I don't want to totally dismiss it. Obviously, people are human. Um, there's a statement for you. There's a, there's an episode title. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, some people get more edgy, more wound up than others. However, I I, I find it difficult to conjure with. Really, professional footballers are, are wants they thrive on the crowd, they thrive on the support. We brought a lot of players down from the Football League where playing in front of big crowds wouldn't be an alien thing. That's deliberate because we are buying players that we think will step up to big occasions. We are buying players that we expect to be performing for us in, in higher levels. Um, and then if you want to, I don't know, say that let's let's point the finger at maybe players who aren't used to that. Max Clareth doesn't look scared to me. And as we said earlier, he, he's turned up to be counted in some real high pressure games, but he doesn't look frightened. But he, but even Paul Mullins said in a recent interview I heard that he wasn't used to the amount of cra- the, the crowds that we've had, and he's played for big teams like Tramia. You know, he said yeah. this was the biggest crowds he's played in front of. So, and he's our star man. But did he say it was a problem? He didn't say it was a problem. No, but 
you know, the players we've drafted in, you know, Ben Tozer played at Cheltenham, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And Aaron Hayden played at Carlisle. Were they getting nine, eight, nine thousand crowds at home every week? I accept, I accept that. Yeah, absolutely. Although I'd, I would say Carlisle are a fierce bunch. Uh, I've been up to Carlisle a few times, and it's quite they're quite intimidating. So I think they they can replicate the sort of uh, passion that our fans show. No, I just oh, think yeah, you know, yeah. They've also been playing in their leagues against teams like Sunderland and Portsmouth. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I just don't buy it. I think I, I, I'm accepting it, it's feasible that some players might get a bit edgy but, if the crowd turn on them. I, 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 I buy that, but it's also not just the pressure of the attendances. There's a documentary, there's now a lot of eyeballs at the club. You know, for example, we're one of the most played football manager teams now, aren't we? It, it, it's a lot more, isn't it? They they could become celebrities or cult heroes. It it, it could be a lot of make or break for their whole careers as well. It, it, I think there's a lot more factors in rather than just the crowds itself. It's what's coming with the crowd and what's coming with the club at the moment. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I, I again would say that when we, we we've seen plenty behind the scenes with the documentary crew around, mm-hmm. and the players don't seem at all bothered by it or concerned by it they're used to it by now they've been following around last year as well the ones who were here so I like your point about it being make or break but then this again comes down to sort of professional characteristics and then the character of a successful sports person you, you want you want it to be you want those make and break moments I think fans sometimes fear make or break moments they think oh gosh oh this is a big game I'm worried what if we lose whereas players are thinking right but if they've got the right mentality, this is a situation I can capitalise upon now. And I can, you know, when people see how good I am, I will go upwards. I, you know, I will achieve mm. more. So I'm reluctant to go along with it too much. I, I'm a little confused by the home performances. I feel what went wrong more was people talk about Parkinson being defensive. And I'm not convinced he is. I think there have been a few games where we've started well, got the first goal, we've continued to go for it, and then two things have happened. One, we haven't got the second goal, and I can't explain that because we've made chances, but the second one hasn't gone in. So I can't fully explain that. But then other teams start to adapt to what we were doing, and we don't seem to react very well to that. Mm-hmm. So when other teams mm-hmm. adapt and start doing something different and, and taking the game back to us, I don't think we always adapt well to them doing that to us. And I don't mm. think that's being defensive. I think it's just us getting a bit outmaneuvered uh, in away games as well. Although, to be fair, I think Weymouth are the only team who really came and parked a bus at the race course this season so far. But nonetheless, when teams playing at home, they are going to come at us more uh, than they will at the race course. And uh, we get space to run into. And that's why we've started to run riot, especially since we've been playing, as we mentioned earlier, those fast wing backs, because we, we hit those pockets of space that they behind so much sooner. Uh, and our transitions are so quick now. So I think that's the reason. I think teams, like I say, only one team has really come and parked the bus, but they're still, teams aren't as adventurous away from home. They're not going to commit loads of players forwards, even when they're breaking. And so there's not as much chance for us to hit them. I think that's the reason for a discrepancy home and away. But I can't explain why we don't get that second goal. It's weird. It's, um, yeah, I, I was, to be fair, mainly I was playing a bit more devil, devil's advocate with you there before. So, yeah, it's it, it's going to be fascinating. It's, I, I'm, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Roll on Boxing Day now. And from myself and I am talking on your behalf too. We wish you, we wish all the fans a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I think it's going to be the last show of the year, is it? Last show before Christmas, but. Last show before Christmas? Yeah, we'll We will have another show. So it's going to be the last show of Christmas. It's been a great year of Dragonheart, hasn't it? Absolutely. Really loved it, Trey. Thank you so much. Uh, It's been a real pleasure. And. Well, it's just been so exciting following Wrexham on this journey, and next year we can keep doing it. No, I've got, stop! Stop making me think this is the last one of the year. 
<laughs> flash on before Christmas. And next year, we'll, we'll carry on doing it. <laughs> of course, yeah. We will be back next week um, breaking down the Notts County and... No, no, that's the Altrigum game, won't we? So, yeah, there's plenty to talk to, talk about to and, and, and on behalf of myself, about Mark... Merry Christmas. We hope everyone has a great one. Stay safe. Not to catch COVID. Don't drink too much either. That's it from me. Nice this has been Dragonheart. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragonheart.